Hey, it's Pastor Ted Fabianic here from Faith Love Church in Melbourne, Australia. Welcome to our podcast. We pray that when you listen to this, you'll be inspired and blessed to reach the best things that God has for you. When in time of peace, where everything is easy, you can get away with living on sayings. You can get you, you can you can get by by just going to church, getting into some praise and worship, and then going. It was a time where you can just go to a live group, um, have some food, have a have a a nice prayer. But it's changed, ladies and gentlemen. Times has changed because what it is now, where you are, and you'll notice this going to be in our preaching in our live groups is we are going to ground you to thrive in adversity. So church is over. Playtime is over, play school is over, um, kids' television is over. Because you will realize that during this season, you are going to find out how big you are, how strong you are, how influential you are. Father, I just thank you right now as we come together that you would move in us, Father, and we just are ready to receive right now. Father, We just don't want a little bit today. Father, we want a lot. Father, we are asking to be fed by the Holy Spirit. Father, we are asking to thrive and not survive. Father, we are asking that we still want more. There's room in us for more. Father, we are positioning ourselves to move like never before. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, Before I share the main portion that I want to share with you today, I want to just give you some grounding that you need to be meditating on every single day. Anytime you are in a quiet moment, you need to be meditating something. So what I want to do is just, before I get onto the scripture that God's given us for today, is this, is to give you some grounding so that when I say the scripture, you, you get it in the context that God wants it in. First thing I want for you to put into your mind is this, is God works by blessing you to extend his kingdom. God works by blessing you to extend his kingdom. You will find that God creates the garden, God creates everything, then he gets man, and before man starts to prosper, he needs to be blessed. So the Bible says he blessed them and commanded them. He didn't say, if you feel like it, he said this, my express will for you is to be blessed and to multiply. So watch this now, that God has actually given you a command to be prosperous. So if you're not prospering, is God upset at you? Yes. Is, does God love you? Yes. You know, the Bible tells us don't grieve the Holy Spirit. What grieves the Holy Spirit is when the kingdom of God is not advanced. And advancement comes through blessing. You're allowed to nod. 
What you'll find, you've got to get this because if you don't understand this, you don't understand your adversary. And if you don't understand this adversary, you can be robbed and not even know about it. I think the, to me, the saddest part about being a pastor and get, uh, have the privilege to preach worldwide is that so many born again Christians are being robbed and they don't even know about it. So it's the blessing of God that increases the kingdom. Second foundation, when Adam fell, God asked him a question that we need to be constantly asking. In Genesis 3 verse 11, God comes to them after they have fallen. So God always takes the first initiative and he comes to Adam and he asks him this question. He doesn't ask him, what have you done? He says, who told you? Now, it's an interesting phrase. It's who told you. What did you hear that brought you to this place? He came up and is this, you have to know the source which is speaking to you. You have to know the source who is speaking to you. He doesn't come up and go, okay, what was said, let's write it down. He goes, the first thing that God did to put man back on track was where did the who told you? Who said those words? What you, you are defeated by what you have heard, not by the event. The event that defeats you is always a prelude to what was told. So we are given a foundation that I should be blessed. Now I've entered into this curse. God comes in and he says, identify the source. Now, most of you, and uh, uh, how many of you have ever gone to a travel agent and I said, I just want to go on a flight. I don't care wherever it goes, just get me here. <laughs> you know, when you get to the airport, what's the first thing that you do? You look at the, t- you look at the board and it goes, where's my gate? Correct? Isn't it interesting that we don't do that during life? Every time you hear something, it's going to take you somewhere. Every word will give you an experience. So, Therefore, it means that if you don't like your destination, what have you heard? So to me, every time somebody tells me something, I go, where will this take me? If somebody wants to gossip to me, my first question is, if I buy into this gossip, where will it take me? You come and talk to me, what's happening in my head is I go, if you're negative, I go, well, those words are coming out. If I buy into you, if I agree with you, where will it take me? So every word will take you somewhere. So what you have is we go from the beginning, I should be blessed. I have fallen, God says identify the source. And then you go further. The Bible actually tells us that we are the seed of Abraham. Every one of you have a heritage. Every single one of you have a heritage. 
you have a blessing. That therefore, it means if there is a heritage, there has to be an inheritance. So it, you'll find this in Genesis 12. God comes to Abraham, and he makes him a promise. He gets to Abraham, I will make you the father of faith. I will show my power through you and the same blessing that I put on you will be given to your children's children's children. He comes to a man that can't produce. He's married to a woman that can't produce. And God gives him a blessing which is contrary to his physical elements. He comes to a man and then he goes, but I haven't got anything. I can't produce. I can't have a blessing. Isn't it interesting that God makes a blessing to where you feel you are inadequate? Your inadequacy draws the promise of God. So he comes to Adam, and Adam is profound. He says, I don't look at my own body. Sarah doesn't go, I am too old, I haven't got the goods. But they go, according to your promise. So God comes and gives this one man a promise. Now you need to let this sink because... This is where a lot of trouble people come into. God gives him a blessing, but he also gives the same blessing to every single person after him. The blessing was named the Abrahamic blessing. And so people do this. When, if God comes, talks to me personally, then I know that that promise is for me. Do you realize when God said to Abram, then change his name to Abraham, when he was talking to him, he was also talking to you. But my name's not Abraham, doesn't matter, because that's our heritage. So God gives one man a promise using his name, but that promise is also to you personally. I'll show that to you in a moment. So he gives him that promise. You have all these years go by, and his seed... The, his children, the children of promise, they go into Egypt under Joseph and they thrive. They, they are blessed. See, the blessing of God will always take you to the places that everybody else strives for. The blessing of God will always take you to a place where others strive for. So God comes through and he's still blessing on them. And they, be, they become to multiply. Pharaoh gets scared and he imprisons them. So what he does, he takes the people of promise and he enslaves them. And he teaches them how to be a slave. Watch this. Slavery is something that is taught. It's not something you're born into. You have to teach fear. Have you ever noticed with kids that they have no fear? I remember the first time I took Christine next in, on a pier. 
She was three years old. Guess where she wanted to walk? Right on the edge. I'm going, baby, don't you know that if you fall, if it's really cold, I don't know whether I want to jump in. <laughs> but you know what? They're doing that. And, and if, if I, I, I remember the first time we were, there was a four meter, yeah, close to about four meters. And Christine goes, hey, Dad, do you think if I hold on to you that we can dive in? I go, yeah. So she grabs a hold of me. Now she's, we take a run up and we dive four meters. And then she gets up, she goes, do it again. God, dad's tired. But no one told her to fear. Fear is something that is taught. So what does Pharaoh do? For 400 years, he teaches them when you hear the voice of an Egyptian you are a slave. When you hear it's time to stop, you stop. When you hear it's time to eat, you eat. So what slavery is, it is a taught, and at first you get punished to do it, and then after a while it becomes your second nature. So you have one generation that is taught, then you get another generation that is born, and the same thing is taught. But here's your problem. Now watch this very carefully. The first generation gets taught by the slave masters. The second generation has two masters. They're the, the Egyptians plus their parents. So their parents are also teaching them to fear. You good? So now the parents are saying, if you do this, these people will do that. So what is now happening is that the next generation is voicing what the first generation had to be taught. Huh. And then the next generation, and the next generation, until you believe that your heritage is always about slavery. Watch. The first generation hated slavery because they would look back Hey, we were under Joseph, we were blessed, we had farms, we had this, we had this, we had this. There was a fight in them. Second generation, the fight drops out. Third generation, fight. So to, the, to, to the point of this is that you get to believe that your heritage is slavery. First generation could look back Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, all, all, all amazing stuff. But you have this other generation that have gotten so used to in being slaves. And if they ever forgot they were slaves, they would just look back at their family. Now, watch this. During, if you read the scripture, you don't find that the, the time when Moses was there, that there was a revolt against the Egyptians. No one tried to get out. There wasn't a coup. There wasn't anything. So you've got 400 years of dictatorship. You've got 400 years of being told what to do until you have a generation that believes that they are slaves they believe that Pharaoh and his army is superior. They are inferior. They are taught. They are not educated. They are not given any privileges. Now, so these people come. There's 
approximately, uh, the historians go between somewhere between three to five million people. Then their breakthrough doesn't come by them petitioning God. It doesn't come by revolt. God comes in and he says, I made a promise to Abraham and I will keep my promise. Now watch how the promise is kept. They, God makes a promise to Abraham. Now watch this. This is the promise of Abraham. This is why I believe in grace. When God came to Abraham in Genesis 12, he says, I will bless you. I will multiply you. I will increase you. Did you notice when he was giving him a blessing, he never said, Abraham, if you work with me, we'll do it. Abraham, if you do all of these set things, then we can do it. He says, I'll do it. So what does God do? Now watch this. The same thing God says, I will multiply you. I will protect you. I will bless you. If somebody curses you, I'll curse them. If somebody blesses you, I'll bless them. God says, the way people treat you, the way I'm going to treat them. Wow, what an amazing promise. So this is the promise that God made in Genesis 12. Then he comes to the children of Israel and he does the same thing. God takes a man by the name of Moses. And he says, Moses, you are to go to them and set them free. So what you have now is this, is that Moses, when he came in, he didn't get an army to get out of Egypt. What he did was this. He says, I want to teach this generation how to possess the land. I want to teach them how to go and get what's theirs. So what does he do? He says, now watch. You are to sit. You are to listen and you are to see the power and the presence of God. You are to look, you are to listen, you are to experience. So what does he do? God comes in, they haven't petitioned God, they are watching God. So here they are, prisoners. You know what they know? They know that they can't get out. They have been certified slaves. So they know that this is our lot in life. And then God says, now watch, I'll work for you. I will do what you can't do. Why? Because your heritage is a promise that I made Abraham. So what does he do? You get the 10 plagues. Now I want you to, be, to understand where we're going. You need to understand this, that every person in Egypt was under the same influence of the power of God. So every Israelite knew what God was doing. So none of them were out of the loop. All of them had the same access to everything. So what you have, you've got the, the plagues happening. And then finally they get set free. Then God shows them the power. Can you imagine, you've got three million people plus. You've got the Egyptian army going there and then woof, out of the sky comes a curtain of fire. So what does God do? Now watch this. This is how beautiful God is. He puts a curtain of fire 
so that he can open the Red Sea. So God says, until the next miracle happens, I am protecting you from anything evil. So God, so what was he saying? I'm going to protect you. You can't protect yourself. You've got those. If you can imagine, you're there with a stick, and the US, USSS army is coming to get you. <laughs> you can't touch me. I've got a stick. So, you got to put this. This was real. This wasn't an imaginary problem. This was they're coming to kill you. They're coming to imprison you. And for, because you left, there's going to be a consequence. So that was a fear. So he puts a fire. Everybody sees the fire. Everybody sees where the sun is hot, the cloud comes on. Everybody goes through the same ocean. Everybody. So what is happening is three million people have become disciples. They are being taught of God. They are seeing the power of God. It is amazing. So everybody, you've got to watch this very carefully. Everyone was taught through the same avenue. There wasn't different kind of teachings. What we have is three million people collectively listening to one voice. That corrects who told you. So God says, I don't want opinions. I don't need anybody to teach you. I will do the teaching for you. So you have three million people with the same experience. They go through the Red Sea. The sea closes. They go on the other side. And now watch now. You need to watch this very carefully. You are saved from so that you can go through and be blessed. You're not saved to go to heaven. You're saved to be blessed. I love heaven. Uh, personally, I want to go to heaven. Now, I've got a Ferrari in heaven. Um, I've got a Lambo. Uh, I've got jet ski. I, I've, I've got it all. You, you should see my place. See, seriously, it is jaw-dropping. I've got an airplane there. Oh, look, it's, my airfield is bigger than Tullamarine. Oh, look, it's a mansion. Okay, okay, I, I want to go. But if that was God's will, or if that was all of God's will, I would have died and gone to heaven. But the reason you're here is because you have still got to claim some promises. So they come out. The Red Sea is gone now. And then they come to this part. But I need you to go home, and I want you to read Numbers 13 and 14. Numbers 13 and 14, God's blessing them. God is feeding them. There's water coming out of a rock. They are absolutely blessed. So God says, now, I have saved you, and over the Jordan, I've given you houses that you haven't built. I've given you businesses that you couldn't imagine. I'm giving you vineyards that you haven't planted. I'm giving you olive groves that you haven't nurtured. I am giving you sheep. I am giving you cows. I am giving you goats. I'm giving everything to you. Except if you were Chinese, he didn't give you any pork, but that's okay. That's <laughs> just, just had to put that in. I, I, I love crackling, by the way. <laughs> I think I, I, I was going to say there's crackling in heaven. I don't know, but um, God loves me anyway. But anyway. So 
So God takes them and he goes, look over there, there's your promise. And then what they do is they get 12 spot, 12 leaders. 12 leaders. Now watch this. They pick 12 leaders to go to spy the land out to get a strategy on what we're going to do. Now watch this. They didn't have a vision statement of what they wanted to do. What they did is they brought into a promise. God said, I give you the land. Now, what, now watch this. Before we go on, what did they learn? What was it that God was showing them? Number one, he was showing them unconditional love and he was also showing them grace. He says, how, he goes, I'm going to take you out of Egypt. You are not going to have to raise your hand against an Egyptian. And then as you are leaving, I'm going to do something for you. Just, this is just a side note. Do you realize when they were leaving, the Egyptians, every because the, they were slaves. Slaves don't earn money. Uh, okay, if, some, if you don't know, okay, when you're a slave, you don't get paid. You get paid to eat so that you can have more energy to do more work tomorrow. You know what they did? Is that God paid them back for all the years that they were, if they were working and they got silver and gold. Do you realize that they were fully loaded when they left Egypt? I thought, I thought come on, just, just, just think. God paid them or, or recompensed them because you were slaves, you should, you, you should have been earning, you should have been doing this. I've got a word for you, for those of you that have suffered during COVID. You're coming out, and everything you've lost is coming back. Because that's our God. As they were leaving, they didn't have to ask for it, it was given them. As they were going out, people were throwing stuff at them. Now, they come there, they get these tw tw 12 spies, 12 leaders, they go in, they see the land. They come back, and this is where the tragedy starts. Twelve come, and then ten do this. Now watch, watch carefully what they do. They go, yes, what we saw is exactly what the promise has said. So you've got 12 now in unity over this. That what was said to Abram that became Abraham, what was said to Isaac and Jacob, we've seen it. It's true. The word of God is true. So can you imagine? You know what they're doing? Three million people, 12 men, speaking to three million people. In, as they talk about the promise, there's an excitement. Can you imagine three million people cheering? Come on, that, that's got to be better than the MCG. That, that is amazing. Can you imagine, you know, wives hugging husbands, kids going, yes! They're looking at Egypt and going, ah, this is great. But then... Something alters. Ten stand up and they go, it's true, but the giants that are protecting 
what is ours are bigger than us. They have got experienced armies. We are experienced in making bricks. Unless we're going to brick them to death, we can't win. Oh, yeah, we can throw bricks at them. And you know what they did? They subjected three million people to stop activating their faith. There was cheers and then there was wailing. Now I want you to watch something very carefully with me. The spirit of doubt is so dangerous because the spirit of doubt will always take you back where God has freed you from. Now listen to me very carefully. The spirit of unbelief will always take you where you have been saved from. So what happens is here, you've got these 10 men have now limited 3 million people. And you know what? The people started wailing, and guess what they started to speak? Let's pick another leader to take us back to Egypt. Now, work with me here. That spirit of unbelief diluted him to the point where slavery became something acceptable. Now, can I just say this to you very carefully? That is not a natural thought. That is a demonic thought. Can you imagine? I I, I, I really want to go back. I I want to stuck my. I want to put every chemical in my body. I want to blow my mind. I I want to blow all my money. I I want to self-destruct. I want to go back under bondage. They started to cry. They said, "We're going to let's get rid of this man called Moses." Yes, there is a promise, but we want to go back to Egypt. Do you realize that 10 people with, and how did they limit their faith? Words. Who told you? First Adam falls because of words. They go through here and then two stand up and they go, no, you 10 are wrong. I want to tell you, faith always confronts unbelief. So they stand up and, they, and you know what they had to do? The Bible says that when they got up, they had to quieten the people. Why? Unbelief always makes a loud noise. Unbelief has, has got a craving to be heard. Spirit of unbelief, if you, don't know, if, you, if you think I'm joking, the spirit of unbelief is in Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Isn't it amazing? As soon as you, somebody has a negative thought, what do they want to do? Post it. Come on. And you know what's interesting? The people that post negative thoughts, you never see them posting positive thoughts. So what did the 10 have to do? They had to quieten down because you've got to be quiet to listen. 
Now, I want you to watch something, and this is what they say. We are well able to do it. Get off your backside and let's go. This desert is nice, but let's take our promises. And here's what's, now just watch this. I want to show you something really powerful. The 10 experienced and were taught in the same school of faith as Joshua and Caleb. Now, that's very careful. Think about this, right? You went to the same school. You read the same Bible. You sing the same songs. And yet, you come out with a total different worldview, self-view, and God-view. Isn't that interesting? You know what that tells me? That unfaith is not a product of information. Faith is not a product of information. Faith is a product that God has given you that responds to his word. Romans 12.3 teaches you this that everybody has been given a measure of faith. Now, I want you to write this down, stick it on your mirror, that when God gives a promise, he also gives you the faith to activate the promise and then experience the promise. When God gives a promise, he gives you the faith to activate it so that you can experience it. So here's a question for you then. See, faith is not a product that you haven't got enough information. Faith, unbelief, so most people say, if I had the right information, I would get the same answer. Isn't it amazing that you can have two nuclear physicists given the same information, one comes up, this is so brilliant, there has to be a God, and another one comes up and he says, I believe in the theory of evolution. Let me just show you something. Now, are you okay with me? I want to give you something really deep. Everybody say deep. Faith is a choice. Faith is not an emotion, but yet it has brilliant emotions. So I want you to get this. So you've got 12. Every one of them, listen to this, every one of them experienced all the plagues that were happening around them. Correct? All 12 walked through the doorway of the blood. The reason they were there is because God spared them. So every one of those 12 heard that you've got to take a lamb, you've got to put the lamb on the corner post, and you've got to go through the lamb, and once you're in the house, you've got to eat the lamb. So watch this. Every one of them ate lamb. Every one of them were in the house where um, the death angel came over. Every one of them saw the pillar of fire. They saw the cloud. They saw the oceans open up. They saw water coming out of a rock. They saw quail coming down. They saw manna every morning. All of them experienced the same. That boggles me. You know why it boggles me? It's because they have no excuse. See, if, you're okay with me? If it was a matter of information, 
you could say, well, hey, you know, the reason the 10 didn't go into it is because they, because they didn't have enough information. Every one of them was given the same food, the same experience. But, now watch this, the two had it. They said, we've got the faith. Come on, come on, come on, trust us. And this is the amazing thing is, right? Most of us are swayed by public opinion and numbers. So who believes that? Put your hand up. Is, come on, isn't it hard at school if you've got a classroom situation and only a few of you disagree and you actually have to tell if you agree or disagree? Because we're swayed by public opinion. We're swayed. This now, I want you to watch this now. They never got to experience the possession of the land, but they also stopped three million others from going in. Ooh. They put a lock on the door and they stood in front of it and they go, we're not going to, we haven't experienced it, but we're, what we're also going to do is we're going to stop you experiencing it. Think about this. The spirit of unbelief says, I'm not going to taste it, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to stop you tasting it. Three million swayed by 10. Now, now I want you to show you the power of faith. And this is quick. This is, this is just my foundation, okay? This is my opening speech. That the two that believed, God put a pause button on their age. God put a pause button on their experiences. God put a pause button on everything, while the others that were in unbelief were decreasing, they were increasing. Hmm. So that means you can be in the same environment of COVID or whatever you find, others are going down, but you should be going up because you're a man of faith. You're a woman of faith. Come on. God's, so you've got these two, and the other one sentenced Three million people over the age of 20 perished and these guys are going. See, I look in a mirror every day and you know what I say to myself? I call myself Ted. I go, Ted, you're looking younger, brighter. You are so, you are so amazing. No wonder Sylvie can't keep her hands off you. See, the thing is, is when, you're, when you're in faith, you're protected because God said this to me. Abe, I'm going to give you a promise. Then Caleb and Joshua and all of their families, they did this. We have a destiny to go to our promises. So God will keep you until the season has come for you to have a breakthrough. If you're standing in for something, it hasn't happened, the good news is coming. You good? Oh, now we're getting, now we're getting there. Now watch this. Psalm 78, 
makes this amazing, amazing comment. Watch this. Psalm 78 is a historical background to what I've just preached. Now watch this. This is the Holy Spirit giving us an overview of how these people never got to their promises. Now, before I read this, I want you to understand something. The reason they didn't get their promise is not because it wasn't the will of God, is because they overruled the will of God with their own will. A lot of people go there, oh man, God hasn't blessed me with that, God hasn't blessed me with that, I wish God would do that. What God does, he says, you actually get to choose whether you want the promise or not. Choose you this day whom you will serve. So the promise... These people that died in the wilderness chose to. Everybody say, oh, how, come on, come on. They chose to be like that. Now listen to this. How many times they rebelled in their desert days. How they grieved him with their grumblings and again and again the limited God. Now would you listen, something really, really honest here today. How do you grieve God? Yes, I know, you can grieve God by sinning. I agree with that. Do you know how you grieve God? But not accepting what he has given you. Just, just think about that. How do you grieve God? God says, I've given so much to you, but you don't want it. Do you realize that God gets grieved? See, I, I was always brought up in that religious system that sin grieves God, you not attending grieves God, but you did this. Yes, I, I, I get it. But the Bible here tells us that he says, I saved you. I saved you. And you know what? Let, let me just put this down to you right now. I just, it's just as it's come to me. Do you realize that unbelief makes you forget it gives you spiritual amnesia. How did the three million get out of Egypt? By God's power. Yes? Who opened, who let the pillar of fire down to protect them? God. Who covered them? God. Who opened the Red Sea? God. Who fed them? God. Who looked after them? God. Do you realize amnesia, spiritual amnesia is unbelief. And then he says, you didn't get out of Egypt because you were strong. You got out of Egypt because of my power. Unbelief stops you from looking and feeding from the source. What the 10 spies did this. He goes, the God who got us out of Egypt, the God that did all these miracles cannot do this. They forgot that it wasn't their power that got them out. They should have done this. It was God's power that took me out of Egypt. Guess what? And God's power is gonna give me my promises. Think about this, right? The promise you want, the promise you need, God says, I'm responsible. If you will agree with me, I will do it for you. Mm. Okay, you're good? Listen to this. Again and again, they limited God. Listen to this. Preventing him from blessing them. I always thought, 
Come on, let, let's, let's get rid of some religious demons, okay? I always thought that it was, how do I get something from God? But it's the other way around. It's how do I, st- how do I prevent God? Just, just dawn, let that dawn on you. Because right now we are going across thousands of books that have been written about God. You did this and da, 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 da. But God says, you prevented me. So God is saying here, God comes up here and he says, I want to give you my heart. He goes, preventing him from blessing them. Continually they turned back from him and provoked the Holy One of Israel. Listen to this. They forgot his great love, how he took them by the hand, and with redemption's kiss, he delivered them from their enemies. They disregarded all the epic signs and marvels they saw when they escaped from Egypt's bondage. They forgot the judgment and the plagues that set them free. My prayer for you this morning was when I got up, was God let people remember what happened to them in salvation. Do you realize how powerful this is? That you, right now, can prevent God from blessing you. To me, me that's scary. Now, watch this. You you okay? This will set you free this morning. Now, Jesus Jesus confronted this when he was preaching. Now, Jesus came into a religious system. Jesus came in where people were expecting the Messiah. And now listen to this. Now, you're good? I'm I'm actually trying to slow down this morning because uh, I realized today that I could do this. What I've got can take about five hours. So I'm condensing it for you. Everybody say, Ted's having mercy on us. Now, now watch this. Watch, watch. Now, this is now Jesus speaking. You are nothing but hopeless frauds. You experts of religion. You take away from others the key that opens the door to the house of knowledge. Not only do you lock the door and refuse to enter, you do, you do your best to keep others from the truth. Do you, do you realize there was, there was a spirit upon these two groups of people? One more, lawyers of the word. So these people were educated. These people, the scribes, there were were thousands of people that depended upon these people. In the land when Jesus was preaching, there were people that couldn't read. There were people that had no access to the scrolls. So these people stood in there. And you know what Jesus was having a go at? He goes, "You, you religious frauds, You don't go in, experience the blessing of God, but you lock the door and you stop others from doing it. Think about this. The same spirit that robbed three million people is the same spirit that Jesus is now confronting on our behalf. What is this spirit? This spirit locks the door, it doesn't itself go in, and it prevents others. Isn't it interesting? Now we're going to get a little bit of nitty-gritty here. Isn't it interesting that people 
that talk against healing never get healed. Hmm. Isn't it interesting that people that don't believe in tithing preach against tithing and they're broke and they're going up to tithers and saying, help me. I've helped non-tithers. I have given thousands to non-tithers. But they preach against me. Isn't that interesting? The people that never experience the blessing of God are teaching us not to experience. The spirit of unbelief comes in words. So the question is, where's their source? So what is the, what is the limitation? The Bible says there's a spirit out there on people that we've got to love them, we protect them, we bless them, but we don't buy into it. So what he's saying, this spirit is on people and these scribes, will they have not entered into the blessing of God. They are not being changed by the blessing of God, but what they're doing is they are stopping the crowds and go, no, we've locked the door. Don't go in. So the the spirit that was on them never got to experience the power of God, so now they have got a doctrine for you and me not to experience it. Isn't it, you know what, can I tell you my pet bug? You, you go to university and you get taught about how to be successful for people that have never been successful. See, if, if I, if I want to know how to build a business, I'm going to go to a person that's built a business. If I want, if I want a recipe, I'll, if you give me a recipe, you know what the first thing that comes to my mind is, how about you make it for me? Let me taste it before I get to do it. This spirit is on people that have never experienced the power of God but now are standing in the way. I, I can tell you thousands. I've had people come to me and go, Ted, this is my pastor on YouTube. They, they used to come to this church. They don't anymore because they really love me and love my spirit. But they were talking to this guy on YouTube, right? And you know what he was preaching? He was going, tithing is, off, is wrong. All your pastors want is money. Um, healing is not for today and all that. And, the, and then he even, he even came up and he says, look, um, to help you, send me the name of your pastor so that I can inform him. Right? And then he got 10 lies that the, that the church tells. All of this stuff, right? And I go, hold on, the guy is broke. You, you look at him, you feel sorry for him. I, I felt like giving him a suit. I mean, I mean, see, you, you, get, you get all of these things, right, where they're stopping you. What is a limitation? A limitation has come against you so that you don't receive what God has given you. You good? This is, we, we, we'll, we'll do this more. So to expose limitation is this. Any limitation removes you from the source of God and then it doesn't tell you how you got to where you are. The limitation is this. Now watch this. We'll do one and then we're going to get, then we're going to finish, okay? Because it's Chinese New Year. You're allowed to eat. I, I, I can hear some of the stomachs. I just heard a grumble. It says, will you hurry up? The crackling is going cold. You know, I, I get it. I get it. Watch this. But God has never given me the promise. 
but he doesn't have to. He gave it to you in Abraham. Do you realize with one of the things that people say, well, I know I'm going to get healed if God comes down and tells me this is healing is for you. That's a limitation. The limitation is this. If I could only get better, then this would happen. Limitation. Give you another limitation. If only I had the faith. If only God would bless me. Hey, do you realize right now that you have got favor? You don't have to ask for favor. What you've got to do is release your faith for the favor. Hmm. See, what happens is this. The reason we are where we are is we've got people's thoughts and we have words that are standing in front of the doorway for our success and our privileges. Has this helped somebody today? Come on. Can, can I, the reason, the, uh, uh, God's been really, really dealing with me on this and, he, and he's really sort of set me down. He says, Ted, the church has to get back to the power incarnate of God, the reality of the word of God so that they can prosper in this time. And what you will not prosper unless you stand up to that limitation and go, no. What's the, you know what's the limitation? Look how bad you are. Look, you're still doing this. No, no, I am the righteousness of Christ. So what we need to do, and this is where we're going, is we are going to confront every single limitation. You know what? And what we're going to do is get out of the way, make way. I'm coming through. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going, I'm going to break every limitation. I am going to go get what God's got for me. Come on. God is for you and not against you. I'm going to, be, I'm going to pray right now, and this is what it is. I am believing. And if you've got your paper that you're doing um, every day, we're going to be praying for your top three. I am believing for amazing, amazing breakthroughs in your life. I am believing that whatever you lost during this COVID season, God will give you back. I am believing for breakthroughs physically, emotionally, financially in every area. I am believing that as a church, we are not going, we are not on this level, we are going up. I am believing for the very, very, very best that God has. Don't let the 10 rob you Jesus came up and the reason this scripture is here ladies and gentlemen is this it's because God's right now to you has said to you this is what's stopping you the spirit that is on others that have never enjoyed it have spoken and they're saying hey that's not for us today that's not for us today but it really is come on let's pray father right now in the name of Jesus I thank you I thank you that you're here right now. Father, I just thank you that, yes, we are in a world that is chaotic. We are in a world where everything seems to be going crazy. But, Father, in the middle of it, you are the God of our breakthrough. You are the God of miracles. You are the God of provision. So, Father, right now, I pray for every single person that you, by your power this week, will expose every limitation 
that is against us. Father, in our thinking, in the way we were brought up, whatever it may, Father, I pray, let the light of God's word shine upon us. Father, in, in the area of healing, in the area of finances, in the area of depression, or whatever it is. So, Father, what we are after is that we want the fullness of God in our lives. Father, we are, we are not sighing with the ten, but, Father, we are going with you. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I bless this church. Father, I bless our church. Father, I bless all those that are watching online. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we start to stir up our hearts, that our faith gets all the limitations. God. Father, we don't want to grieve you anymore. Father, we don't want to grieve the power of God. We don't want to stop you blessing us. So Father, right now in the name of Jesus, Father, we declare that this year is going to be our best year. Father, we declare that what was lost will be given to us sevenfold. Father, we declare that we are not getting weaker, but we are getting stronger. Father, we are like Abram that didn't consider his own body, nor the body of his wife. But Father, he looked at you. And so Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray as people read the word, as people worship, that Father God, every limitation will be exposed. And Father, we're gonna break it. We're gonna go past it and go in and experience the fullness of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Hey, God bless you. We'll see you next week.